I feel like if this was made in the 90s, it would star Ashley Judd. Oh, this would be a Judd-sterpiece, dude. Ah! This would be an absolute Judd-sterpiece. It's Judd-tacular. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry to startle you, but it's me, Jen Fricker. And who's this over here? It's me, Alexi Toliopoulos, and we're the hosts of The Big Film Buffet. What do we do on this podcast? Uh, me, you, we talk about on a weekly basis mm-hmm. um, some pop culture recommendations, including what the best thing is for you to spend your time on this weekend from Netflix. We are previewing the films on Netflix that are coming out, and the one that we're going to be talking about today is one I'm excited to dive into. We're talking about the new film from director Joe Wright. It's called The Woman in the Window. I'm agoraphobic. I can't go outside. So, um, what do you do all day? 911, what's your emergency? Talk to Fox and nothing's happened. No, I know what I saw. Everybody's okay. This is one of the most hotly anticipated film releases of this year. Mm-hmm. So many stars in this. It's based on one of the biggest selling books of 2018, mm-hmm. The Woman in the Window by AJ Finn. Alexi, what's it about? Well, this movie, for me, is all about Amy Adams. Yeah. This is the Amy Adams show, and on this podcast, we simply adore Amy Adams and everything that she does. We could not be bigger fans of her work. This movie places Amy Adams in a gorgeous New York brownstone. She's trapped in there because she has been suffering a severe bout of agoraphobia. She's afraid to go outside. She's locked herself in. She's manically watching classic 1950s black and white Alfred Hitchcock thrillers. So I'm relating to this character quite a lot. (laughs) She befriends Julianne Moore, who is her neighbour in another brownstone across the road. Their lives become a little bit entwined. She becomes intrigued with her life. The son from across the road also comes over. Gary Oldman is the dad across the road. And then one day, or one evening rather, Julianne Moore's character disappears. And Amy Adams sees something transpire through the window where she sits as a titular woman in the window, looking to another window where Julianne Moore, who also could be the titular woman in the window, disappears. And she begins to suspect that something foul is afoot. (laughs) And she becomes embroiled in the mystery. It's as dramatic as... That description of it. <laughs> I really Alexi. think I channeled the movie really well. Yeah, you're yes. like, ooh, and then this. It is an adaptation of AJ Finn's book by Tracy Letts, who ooh. wrote the screenplay for August Osage Country. He wrote the play as well, and he's in the freaking movie. Yeah, he is. He's her psychologist. Oh my gosh. No one's going to care about this except us. <laughs> <laughs> Lexi love Lexi. Lexi love Lexi. <laughs> It is so hotly anticipated, this Mm -hmm. film, because it is based on a huge book that came out back in 2018. But it's for fans of books and movies like Girl on the Train, Gone Girl, Behind Her Eyes. It's all framed around these female lead characters who are basically caught in the wrong place in the wrong Mm -hmm. time. It's absolutely a movie for... 
thriller fans, mm-hmm. crime fans. It's tense. Very tense movie. And it really harkens back for me to a period of like the late 1980s, 1990s, all the way up to like early 2000s of thrillers that are usually female-led or female-focused that have like this really strong ratcheting energy. Mm. And a lot of that is due to, in part, to like this fabulous performance from Amy Adams that is, like you were saying, totally turbo. I've not really seen her like this. This is such a different type of performance from her because so much of her is like about trying to create naturalism. This is not that. This is about creating perspective. Like mm. this is about showing the world from her point of view. Reminds me of so many like those thrillers that I really love, like Gone Girl, Fatal Attraction, even like something like Basic Instinct, where there's all this like bubbling tension everywhere. Yes. It's so campy in a way. Mm-hmm. I do feel like you're so right with those 90s thrillers because I feel like if this was made in the 90s, it would star Ashley Judd. Oh, this would be a Judd-sterpiece, dude. Ah! This would be an absolute Judd-sterpiece. It's Judd-tacular. It's so funny because it is so heightened. And as you mm-hmm. were saying, Amy Adams is not giving you a natural performance. No. She's giving you opera. Yes. Same with Gary oh. Oldman, Julianne Moore. They're all giving you 10 mm-hmm. from the beginning. Yeah, they start at 10 from the beginning. And then by the time we're about halfway through, these guys are inventing numbers. Yeah, these numbers <laughs> don't exist. <laughs> They're on- going up to 12 and yeah. 29 <laughs> and stuff. A grillion. It's a lot. Yeah. This movie, it is a lot. There's a lot going on visually. There's a lot of movement with the camera, the colours of everything. That's this kind of really rich blood red mm-hmm. tones, which are obviously very ominous. There's yes. these cool blues and then a lot of darkness. And you get the sense that this house is closing in on mm. this woman. It is so tense. And because it is so heightened, mm-hmm. because it's so operatic, it really reminds me of Baz Luhrmann. <gasps> and I wow. wonder if Joe Wright is inspired that much by Baz Luhrmann because it really feels like yeah. Baz Luhrmann only deals in epic, mm-hmm. you know? And so it kind of feels like Baz Luhrmann walked so Joe Wright could run, you know? Wow, run while screaming across the road. I'm not screaming and <laughs> pulling his hair out. For me, I woke up so many, like, you know, feelings of just, like, being trapped in and staring out your window and, you know, the nosy neighbour. Like, these are, like, such archetypes that I feel, like, close to home. This reminds me so much of, like, Maya Ya, who is my grandmother. I used to live with my mum and my grandma growing up and we lived in, like, this townhouse complex. Mm. And Maya Ya was basically the neighbourhood watch for the whole place. Yeah. Because she's there all the time. She was such a busy bozzy, like, staring out the window all the time. I remember one time when I was walking home down the hill and I could see, like, our balcony, I could see her, like... Hundreds of meters away, I could just see like through the curtain, no, I could look, and I just saw like the little glint of binoculars. <laughs> oh my god! I think she knew I was like walking home from school and just trying to catch me to make sure I was coming home. Aww. But you know, that's the thing. It's like there's this old joke that I just use all the time, which is like Greeks don't get married, they get worried, and it's just like <laughs> that's how they love each other. It's all through like this idea of like, oh, I love you so much, but I'm so worried about you all the time when I'm not around you. <laughs> And this movie gave me a lot of that yeah energy for me. Oh, my gosh. I kind of sympathise with the Wyatt Russell character. Oh, who plays her, like, tenant downstairs neighbour. Yes, and having, like, a kooky, fruity landlord who just likes to drop by. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, this is a nightmare. <laughs> 
first share house I ever lived in, mm-hmm. we had a bit of a, a personality yes. on our landlord. And she'd love to drop in. I love a local character. Yeah, she'd love to drop in on her 20-year-old tenants and just oh see how gosh. they were going. And it wasn't in a way that was judgy. It was just in a way of like, hey, kids. This was like Octavia party? Spencer in Ma. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Well, I'm all right. Spoiler alert. Yeah, you made it through, but she'll come party with you guys? Well, she would be like, oh, are we partying today, kids? And we'd be like, (laughs) no, (laughs) we're poor. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We'd save up all our coins for the week and then go buy one goon bag at the end of the week and then mix it with cordial that we bought. (laughs) Oh, my God, Jen. (laughs) You're painting a vivid portrait that only Amy Adams could bring to life right now. It was very funny they're watching this movie and just being like, ah, it's funny that all these people think this shut-in woman is a bit, mm. you know, not with it or whatever. When it's like, that's been my experience of the pandemic. Oh, absolutely. When I first moved out home years and years and years ago now, there was a neighbour that everyone was like, oh, she's the busybody in the building. She'll always complain about something. We moved in. Me and my partner had a little dinner party. We got a knock immediately going, excuse me, you're being too loud. You're laughing too much. I was like, oh, God. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> And I felt so embarrassed. I'm like, I got to go give her a gift or something to apologize. I was so embarrassed by it. I'm going to make something. I'm going to make her donuts or something to bring over. But then the next day, she like knocked on the door again. And she's like, is this your inflatable pool that you've left out? I was like, firstly... No, I don't even know the last time I submerged myself in water, so definitely not mine. He's a shower man. I'm a shower boy. I don't go swimming, okay? The closest I get to submerge is yes, maybe I'll use a foot spa once a year. It's Christmas. You gotta live your best life. <laughs> you sound like you're encouraging me, but let the record show Jen recoiled while doing encouraging Foot's voices. Foot is yuck. <laughs> As someone who once bought one for my mother for Mother's yeah. Day, it is yucko. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the tragic thing is, I actually used my mum's one, so it's Aww. even grosser. But she's like, "Is that your kitty pool that you've left to be taken away?" In my head, I'm like you know what? I'm going to win this person over. Mm -hmm. I'm going to win this Amy Adams character over. And then I just start engaging, asking her questions about her life and stuff like that. By the end of the conversation, she loves me. She's smiling. And for years, I'm like, oh, I'm the only one in the building that she loves. And I was like, I did it. I got in. I won the Amy Adams over. So it was kind of a reverse of what this movie really is about. Yeah, you're man in the doorway. You weren't woman (laughs) in the window. I was man in the doorway. And the doorway was to the heart of the people and the community of my village. (laughs) Okay. This movie as well that we're talking about today, The Woman in the Window, is in this long lineage of films that I do believe come from the inspiration of Alfred Hitchcock's classic movie, Rear Window, starring Jimmy Stewart and the fantastic Grace Kelly. The wickedly talented and extremely royal Grace Kelly, Princess of Of Monaco. Monaco. And that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm. It's a movie I've watched a lot and studied a lot and also like kind of become obsessed with the lineage of it in those like single location thrillers that have like a big thematic element of voyeurism, like kind of permeating throughout them Mm. of like witnessing a crime through your window and then becoming embroiled in it in some way. Totally complicit or trying to 
get to the bottom of it. The ordinary person becoming the detective. Absolutely. And so people may not have seen Rear Window, but they probably have seen the Simpsons episode where Bart breaks his legs yes. in the, I believe, a kiddie pool of all things. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, kind of, he looks out his window and sees stuff happening and, like, captures mm. what he believes to be a murder, if you will, which is what happens in this movie as well. But I think that's where those, like, single location thrillers come from, is from that. And this movie does something that I love so much from that Alfred Hitchcock movie that I think a lot of the other like descendants of that film don't do is we get a little moment where we see her first looking out the window for the first time and we see her kind of like seeing little different stories going on around like the brownstone houses in New York City around her mm. from her perspective like you see a kid playing piano you see like a family together and I think it does something really good to like ground this movie in some sort of reality, theatrical or otherwise, it's a reality that we start in. And then when we go to like the bigger places with bigger personalities coming through these big performances, we are able to still find ourselves held by this movie. Mm. Do you and feel I, held by it? I felt absolutely held by it. Then I felt <laughs> shook by it while it was holding me. <laughs> It's got some incredible stars in it. The titular woman in the window, Amy Adams. You've got Julianne Moore. Oh, my gosh. I love Julianne Moore. You've got Gary Oldman. I love Gary Oldman. What's your favourite Gary Oldman performance? Oh, gosh. I would have to say I love Gary Oldman in The Fifth Element. Yes. Because he is big. And I love it when Gary Oldman goes big. So, you know, I'm going to have a lot to say about this movie in particular. Yes, it is a turbo film. You think it's going to be this very small, quiet, intimate drama. There's only two settings really for this film. It's the street outside and then Amy Adams' character's house. That's it. Yeah. So you think there's not going to be a lot. But then you get a director like Joe Wright involved. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know his films, he directed Atonement. Atonement. He did the Pride and Prejudice adaptation with Kira Knightley, I believe. Yes. He did Anna Karenina. Oh, very sumptuous production design heavy movie. Yes. Lots of period costumes. Mm -hmm. Huge cast. He goes big. He goes goes real big. I think that he's someone that kind of like takes exciting material mm. and elevates it in a way with kind of like a camp energy. There's yes. a certain like inherent campness in the way like how he ratchets up the melodrama while ratcheting up like the thriller energy as well. I think he's done that really well in the movie called Hannah with Sesha Ronan and Eric Banner and Kate Blanchett, which is like for me, one of my favourite thrillers in the last couple decades. Mm. Very cool stylistic movie. And also he's done the movie Pan, which I think about all the time, <laughs> which is a Peter Pan movie starring Hugh Jackman. And, of course, The Darkest Hour, Gary Oldman's finest hour, where he gets the Oscar nomination and the win. He loves big sweeping set pieces. Mm. The camera is kind of used as another element another character in a way the way he frames things up there's movement to it mm-hmm. and you can see that in the darkest hour there's some like really iconic sequences where there's planes flying yeah. over war fields and mm. things like that so he is a director with a huge vision he makes like kind of close to modern day epic cinema at yes points. epic dramas for sure big time so to take all of that yeah and put it into this tiny tense small story that is really about 
how we project our frustrations mm-hmm. and our ideas of identity onto other people and how that can really hurt some people. Yes. It's a lot. It's like a powder keg. It's just ready Ooh. to explode. It's got this score by Danny Elfman, <gasps> who is the iconic composer of The Simpsons theme. And, of course, Tim Burton movies. Yes. And, of course, the Batman 1989 soundtrack. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. So, his score is just relentless. Mm-hmm. It's constantly going. There's sharp stings of yes. strings everywhere. Like, Joe Wright's obviously, like, referencing, like, Hitchcock. And that kind of comes through in the campiness as well, in the cinematography, in these kind of bordering on hysterical performances mm. where these women are just, like, you don't know whether they're going to explode. I think you nailed it talking about Danny Elfman's score because it does feel so in line with like those Bernard Herrmann scores who did like Psycho, Mm. he did North by Northwest, he even did Taxi Driver and I believe Citizen Kane itself. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. But he's done like lots of big scores that utilize like a full orchestra to kind of really brew up tension between things and to become overwhelming, to become operatic. Yeah. And I think that's what Joe Wright's really going for here. I feel like this film is almost the antithesis of something like Uncut Gems. Yeah. Where Uncut Gems is so tense mm-hmm. for two hours, two and a half hours, mm-hmm. but the score is so minimal. It's like cosmic. Yeah. And it's just the synths and that's kind of it. The speech is really naturalistic. There's a mm-hmm. lot of mumbling, a lot of talking over and this is not that. No. This is highly stylized Mm -hmm. this is extremely big it's like theater oh it's so theater i'm so delighted by this movie Mm -hmm. i feel like every two or three years there's a discovery for me where something is not exactly what i anticipated it to be Mm -hmm. because i do love joe wright i love the entire cast of this movie i love a single location thriller but i did not know what this was going into this one is one of those movies that i discover every couple of years And I get hooked into and I get so excited about because this feels like a throwback, Mm -hmm. but feels like a completely new energy going into one of those things. But more so, I'm talking about like how truly bonkers this movie is. Yes. Like it is big. It is audacious. Mm. It's unrelenting. It's overwhelming. Mm. And I watched this at midnight. To prepare for this. Yeah. I've seen it twice since then as mm-hmm. well. But the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, I've got to watch this before this, before we have our initial chat about it. And I was like, I'll start a little bit now and maybe I'll catch the rest of the morning. I stayed up to like 2 a.m. because I could not stop watching this film. Oh, my gosh. I became obsessed with this film. Yeah. Because it really is like those movies about obsession. Because so much of it is Amy Adams staring out the window mm. and then being engulfed into this story that she's kind of constructing herself that is also being thrown at her yes. perhaps to like put her on the path to things yes in that kind of like you know girl on the train kind of way perhaps yeah she finds herself it's almost like wrong place wrong time mm-hmm. wrong place wrong time wrong person i'm so sorry it's mm. you amy but you're stuck in this world now yeah it's so true it's like you as a viewer as well because she kind of has this tragic backstory Mm -hmm. she is an unreliable narrator yeah and so she's questioning herself and you're questioning her decisions and her choices it is a perfect pure thriller yes there's red herrings there's herrings of multiple colors in this movie herrings of every shade (laughs) but i think it's like so much the alfred hitchcock classic thriller idea of someone's descent into their own mania Mm. while the film ascends in theatricality and operaticness 
if I was writing a year 12 HSC essay about it, I would say the shadows of her house represent the shadows of her mind. Wow. And, and this is that kind of thing. This is a HSC drama text. This is exactly it. It's a fun movie. It's definitely one of those ones where you'll pop it on over a weekend and you'll settle in and mm-hmm. you'll have a good time. Who do you reckon this movie is for, Alexi? I think it's for Alexi, big time. <laughs> I had such a fun, enjoyable time with this movie. So I think that this is not only for people that enjoy like big thriller book adaptations, which this really is. It's going to capture those people. But I really think this is people who are like myself Mm. that want to be surprised by the heights a movie will go to. Yeah, for sure. That's such a good way to put it. And also, if you're someone like me, like this is one of those rare films that comes along every now and then where I just like completely sink into being overwhelmed by great actresses going really big and going completely ham. Mm. I adore Amy Adams doing this. I love seeing her go this big and go this wild with a performance and get so teary-eyed and so, like, snotty. I'm like, oh, Amy, keep going, keep going. Julianne Moore, one of my all-time heroes. I love seeing her go big in this like she did back in Magnolia. I've been dying for a big Julianne Moore performance like this. And Jennifer Jason Lee, she's a sneaky one. Mm. She's a sneaky one in this movie, the way that she like kind of underplays everything so i think if you're like us an actress guy this is one for you this comes on once every three years you're gonna get something like this (laughs) so it's a big old treat for you yes i'm with you 100 i also think as well i'm not necessarily a thrillers person Mm -hmm. like for instance i was quite scared of watching gone girl you get spooked i get spooked very easily i don't love a big jump scare Mm -hmm. This is not necessarily the same amount of tension Mm. as Gone Girl, which I find more enjoyable to watch. It's the melodrama of it, the visuals of it all kind of take away that. So if you're someone who's like, I don't want to be spooked in my own Mm. home, you'll have a good time. I think it's one of those films as well where if you invited your friends over and opened a bottle of wine, you would have a lot of fun. It kind of reminds me of like a midday movie drama. Yes. This is perfect. This is only happening at 12. I'm talking midday and midnight. Midnight. This is a rare movie that's a midday and a midnight movie. Now, there are some other movies that kind of fall into this area as well on mm. Netflix. We've got some further recommendations. If you're still feeling a little hungry for some big old thriller energy, Jen, what are some of your favourites? This really reminds me a lot of A Simple Favour. Oh. If you had fun watching that, yes. you'll have fun watching this. It's very stylish, mm-hmm. lots of stars. Lots of actresses. Yes, exactly. Lots of actresses. It's a bit bigger than your average kind of thriller. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you'll have a lot of fun watching this. I love that movie. Mm. So I'm going to recommend a movie that was like my rewindow when I was a teenager, which is Disturbia. So it's kind of like a teenage boy version of this type of thing from the mid-2000s. He's got house arrest. He's got a little bracelet on him. He can't leave the house. And he thinks he might be living across the road from a serial killer. And, uh, man, I've got a soft spot for that movie. I really do. The Woman in the Window is out this weekend on Netflix. Make sure you check it out. And if you love this podcast, please subscribe on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a cutie little review. Mm -hmm. We do appreciate it. We love it. And next week on the snack episode, Lexi, we're going on the road, baby. Ooh, we're rolling the dice and making it nice. 
where Bright Light City is going to set our souls on fire. We are talking about Vegas, baby. It's money, baby. We're talking about Vegas. All the things that we love when Vegas is portrayed in the fine art of cinema. We're going to Vegas, baby. Yeah, baby. This episode was hosted by me, Alexi Toliopoulos, and Jen Fricker. Produced by Michael Sun and Anu Hasbol. Edited by Jeffrey O'Connor. Executive produced by Tony Broderick and Melanie Marnie. 